I'm Eli. You just don't know. Um, I have been coming here to the church for way too long. I'm just kidding. I love this church. That's why I'm still here. Um, <laughs> no, but I'll let you guys know a little about me. I am, uh, I've been working here. I am the youth leader. I lead the youth group, me and Becca. And so I have been coming to this church for um, 17 years now. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. Um, I feel old. I feel old because some of the kids and youth, that's longer than they've been alive. And I've been coming here. Um, wow, this thing is really loud. Um, but, yeah, I've been coming here for 17 years, um, all through middle school, high school. I wanted nothing to do with the Lord. Amen. Um, my grandpa was a pastor, and he, well, he just retired. He was pastor the same church for over 40 years. Went on the missions field for a long time, too. <laughs> so I was kind of raised in the church. I, uh, my parents, bless their heart, forced me to go here every Sunday. Anybody in here like that? <laughs> see a couple people like, eh, it's me. I see you. Don't worry. I know that look on your face. Um, <laughs> but I was forced to go here. Just kidding. No, I got to go here. And uh, high school, middle school, I wanted nothing to do with the Lord. I remember sitting on like, you know what, God, just leave me alone. Like, I want to do my own thing. And that led me down a road, um, brokenness. I graduated high school. So I like, you know what, I'm going to join the military. That's what I'm going to do. Want nothing to do with Laura. I've been coming to internship here for all through high school for four years. And um, I remember Sean saying, yeah, I'll call God on your life. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back to school. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want anything to do with the Lord. And uh, so out of high school, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And uh, my best friend, he's like my brother, right? We've been friends since third grade. His mom died. And, uh, she was like my second mom. She'd pick us up from school. we go and hang out. we stay up way too late eating candy. And we'd, she'd wake up in the morning and make us breakfast. <laughs> but we had like two hours of sleep, so we weren't hungry. You know how that goes. Feeling sick. Anyways, um... I get off on these rabbit trails. That's the way I am. I see something, I just start. Ever seen like a, like a dog, like, um, uh, like sees a squirrel? I'm like that, right? In my brain, that's what it looks like. So just imagine that and uh, you'll get me. <laughs> um, so um, she passed away and uh, it left me in this place of just um, brokenness. I've just, I have no idea what I'm doing. One night I said, you know what? God, why don't you break my heart for what breaks yours? Right? I was told that's the most dangerous thing you could pray, and I will stick by that. Because that night, I had this dream, and uh, it was Judgment Day, and um, it was my turn, so I'm, I'm walking. For some reason, I'm crying. As I'm crying, I, uh, I just feel my conviction coming, right? And... Um, so I'm walking by this hallway. feel someone say, hey, Eli, Eli's calling out to me. It's my best friend. He looks at me and said, you never told me. Right? So from that day, I said, you know what? I'm going to make sure I tell him. I'll make sure I tell everyone around me. 
So I'll have to have that happen to me. So from that day on, I said, you know what? I'm going to commit to this. A couple days later, Sean invited me to the internship. I had to sign a one-year contract. First contract I signed, internship. I had to show up a lot. Um, deal with Sean a lot. Um, I'm just kidding. I love him to death. But um, it was awesome. It was the best thing I did. And Sean, in for one year, invested in all of us. Same with Pastor. And after the one year, I was like, yeah, I still don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm called to ministry. Don't know what I'm called to. So I know your contract. And after that, I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm called to be in ministry. I feel like I'm called to be a pastor. Like, that's, that's what I felt pooling on my life. So after that second year, the pastor came up to me and said, I'd like to hire you. You can do stuff around here. We got stuff that we can improve on, and I'm going to put you over that. So I started doing that, and I have been here for now five years. And I, how long ago did we, a year, it's been a year since we took over you September, right? Yeah. Wow. Oh, goodness. Oh, it's 2020. Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> but uh, it has been a year. We've been working with the youth. It's awesome. Um, even with this whole COVID thing, the kids are still hungry for God. And that, um, that's what gets me up every morning is knowing that this next generation and the people around are going to be the people that change this world. So, real quick, do we have, this is my Bible. I want everyone to say this with me. I say it loud. I work with the youth, so if you're not yelling, I get it. Most of the time, they're like this. I get this, money. I got them for like two seconds. So, if you guys want to yell, oh, let's do this. You guys ready? This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light, I rest in its promises, I am empowered by its love, I am overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. God, I pray this morning that you just speak through me, God, and that heart's prepared to receive the word that you put on my heart, God. So I pray only your words come out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So, the title... I did not get outlines. I'm sorry. I'm not used to doing outlines. Um, so pull out your phones. Take notes. I know everyone's got a note in their phone. So I know first time everyone, someone's ever told you pull out your phone in church. I do it all the time because youth group, 20th century, you know, got to work with what they got. And uh, phones are awesome. So um, write this down. It's who's going to replace you? Right? Who's going to replace you? See, I believe, I believe in this next generation with everything I have. And the reason is, is because someone before me did that. No matter how far away I got, they still said, hey, how are you doing? Let me keep investing into you. Let me keep loving on you. Right? See, this is something that's been on my heart for a little while. And I'm not going to tell you the story now. I'll tell you a little later. But, um... Who's going to replace you? See, I'm not talking about like someone's coming in to replace you. What I'm talking about is I know I'm not going to be a youth pastor for the next 40 years. How much I would love that. I don't think youth would see, hey, I'm a 60-year-old man leading youth. I'm just saying you never know. You never know. I'm not 
count it out, but I don't know. 40 years from now, probably not going to be a youth pastor. So I need to invest what's been invested on inside of me to someone else. Right? I'm investing in the people to replace me. Right? So as we continue to go on, this gospel keeps going on. Lives keep getting changed. People keep getting invested into. Things start changing around us, right? See, we have a responsibility. I think that goes for all of us. All of us have a responsibility to invest into people, to give up something to them, right? See, it says in Matthew, um, Matthew, yes, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Anybody know what this is called? It's a little snippet. The Great Commission, yes, I heard it. The Great Commission. I like um, facts and knowing stuff, so I looked up commission. Commission, the definition of commission is an instruction, a command, or a duty given to a person or group of people. See, I see, I was the person, I was an introverted person, wasn't very talkative, very uh, reserved, right? So, this is a scary thing for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord, he has changed me, but um, I took it as a suggestion, right? I suggest you go out and make disciples. No, it's called the Great Commission because it was a command. Hey, I need you to do this. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, deal with it. I, my dad was a cop, and so <laughs> got some fun stories, but um, that's the way he was, man. Tell you what, I remember, yeah, I told the kids this the other day, is uh, I'm like, yeah, dad, I just feel, he goes, their feelings will go away, right? That's the way I was raised. So when I hear a command or something, I like to do it. Um, it's not a suggestion. Anyways, another rabbit trail. Um, see, how many people do you know that are not going to church that you could reach out to? Right? I work at a gym, Lord's Gym, and uh, we have people coming in all the time. Right? People see me all the time. People say where I'm acting, what I'm doing. And it's cool. I had someone come up to me the other day, fellow Christian, and uh, he said, hey, what do you think about this? So we got to talk about it. I got to invest something that was investing me before into him, right? See, um, how many dis disciples did Jesus have? Shout it out. Twelve, twelve, twelve disciples, right? He had 12 disciples. So, how long did he spend with those disciples? Three years, right? As I was preparing for this, I felt God put this on my heart. And um, he's like, Eli, for the next rest of your life, every three years, I want you to have three peop 12 people that you're able to send out. Three years. 12 people you can send out. I said, okay. So we started, um, and Becca, it's funny because I kind of put this on my heart, and Becca said, like, hey, we should do a discipleship group. 
discipleship class, right? I'm like, yeah, no, let's do it. Let's invest in this next generation. I'm going to do exactly what it says, and I'm going to start investing in the people. And uh, every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, praise the Lord for COVID, because they don't have school. Um, so <laughs> some of the parents are like, don't ever say that again. Um, <laughs> but um, I get to spend 3 o'clock with them and invest two hours into the kids on top of them coming to youth on a Wednesday night. And we've been averaging what, how many kids have we been averaging? Been filling out the room. 10 to 12 people. I think one time we had like 15. And we get invested in those people. Right? So, who's ever gone fishing or hunting? Anybody? Anybody? Right? Um, who has never gone fishing or hunting? Don't be ashamed. It's all right. It's all right. I see you. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Trevor, um, can I have you bring that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm an illustrative guy. I like fishing, right? I like hunting. So this, fishing pole, okay? I bought the brightest one I could find. Don't know why. So you could see it, I guess? Um, And so fishing. If I were to hand this to someone that, Alicia, you said you have no idea how to fish. Maybe come up here. I know, I know, I know. Come on, you're good. Okay, fine. Anybody else doesn't know how to fish? (laughs) Uh, Caitlin, all right, Caitlin, there we go, there we go. I have no idea how to fish, right? So if I were to have you come up here and be like, I need you to cast it across the room. Don't worry, I, I'm, I've been doing this for years, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? If I were to ask you to come up and fish, you'd have no idea how to use this, right? So I would have to be like, all right, this is the handle, right? Hand goes here, go like this, boom, cast, boom, done, right? Catch fish. It's not how it works. It takes time, right? I didn't just pick up a fishing rod and be like, eight-pounder, there we go. No, it took time, right? I didn't, I had my dad. My dad took me hunting, fishing as growing up. He invested time into me. He invested something into me, something that had been invested into him, right? So I don't expect everyone, new fishermen, new Christian, to come in and know exactly how to do it. I did it. It took me two years in an internship to know exactly what I'm even called to do, right? But it takes people investing in other people. See, for me, I know that I need to invest in the people because people have invested into me. People didn't invest into me, I wouldn't be here today. Right, Trevor, John? Well, I should probably pick on John. John wasn't very good at fishing. Where are you at? There you are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> John knows I love him. Fishing. Did I invest my time in you and show you how to fish? Did you get really good at it? No. Oh, yeah. See? <laughs> it takes time. I think I took you out once. Twice. <laughs> Twice. And he's not a pro yet? I mean, like, come on. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It takes time. You got to spend time with people. You got to invest something into people, right? See, so I see, this is what drives me crazy. I see so many people give up on people because they don't get it when they think they do. I'm tired. I would put expectations on people. Anybody ever had someone let you down before? 
Only me? Okay. Oh, no, there we go. Right? It's because we put our expectations on people. Right? We put expectations on people that sometimes they're never achievable. Right? I can put an expectation on every single person in this room. But all that's going to do is disappoint me. What I do is I put an expectation on myself. Right? And I know it. And I work on it daily. So the people around me, I can invest into. Right? Why do I read my word every day? So the people around me, I can invest this, the seeds that have been sown into me, into them. And get them working on themselves. Get them fired up for what fires me up, right? So in Matthew 18, or <laughs> slow down, Eli. You're good. You're good. You're good. Um, Matthew 4, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. See where this is going? Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. See, there's, they were fishermen, but they weren't fishers of men. From that point, Jesus invested into them. He didn't expect them just because they knew how to fish to be fishers of men. It took time. It took people investing into people. See, it's a process and said, in verse 19, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Didn't say, follow me and you will be. He said, I will make you. He's saying, I'm going to invest something into you so you become what God needs you to become. Right? People invested into me. To get me to where I'm at today, people invested into me. I remember Cole teaching my, where's, I saw Cole, where'd he go? There he is. Cole taught my Sunday school class when I was a little hoodlum. About yay big. Right? <laughs> he just laughs. But it's true. Cole invested something into me. See, let me ask you this question. Who are you investing into? See, as a kid, people invested into me. And to this day, I still ask people to invest into me. When I have questions, my grandpa, like I said, has been a pastor for 40 plus years. When I have a question, when I don't know what to do, I ask. Because I know there's been people that have gone before me that have done this, that have walked through some of the things that I've walked through. And so I still ask for advice. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't know everything. I don't want to know any, everything. <laughs> if I know everything, then people are going to come to me. Half the time, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing be honest, all I keep doing is just saying yes. I'm like, yeah, you want me to leave you? Sure, yeah, don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, right? I just get to say yes. Another story I want to talk about is the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, that's a good name. That's my name. <laughs> um, anyways, so 1 Kings chapter 4, not 4, chapter 19 Verses 19 through 21. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen 
and he himself was around him. Uh, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elijah, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. And Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back, took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he sat set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. See, the cloak was Elijah's anointing, right? Elijah invested something into Elisha right there. And Elisha had the choice to say yes or no. He said, yeah, I can, I can allow someone to invest into me. I can follow after this, basically the calling on his life, right? But after Elijah did that, he wasn't like, all right, good luck. Says he became his, his, his servant. He followed him around. He learned from him. He talked with him, Right? Elijah invested into him. See, there's another point I want to get to, though. It's in 2 Kings 2, 7 through 14. And I don't think I'm going to read all of it. I'm going to skip down. I'm going to skip down to verse 11. And it says, As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak and that, that had fallen from him and went to the bank and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that, he had, fall, that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. So from, for them to get to that point, Elisha had already struck the water. First, they got there. He was taken up. Elisha struck the water. What I want to leave the next generation is to be able to reach people and go farther than I ever was able to. I want to leave them the tools to do amazing things. See, like I said before, is the cloak Wow, I went by a lot faster than I thought. See, the cloak was Elijah's anointing. He passed it on to Elisha. So let me ask you this. Who are you passing your cloak on to? Right? But the thing is, there's always a helper. See, I've learned this in the Bible. See that catch? Um, <laughs> see, in the Bible, I've learned this, is there's never a void that is left. There's never a void. Elisha left. His anointing went to 
Elijah left, his void went to Elisha, and he filled that. Right? There was never a void. God never left a void. Jesus filled that void on our behalf. Right? There's never a void. And so I look at this. Oh, where did that paper go? That's why I pulled it out. Look at this statistic. In, uh, from 1928, this is the silent generation. 84% of that generation claims that they're Christian. Okay? 10% claim to be unaffiliated. The baby boomers. All right, when, I, when you hear your generation, I hear you cry out, all right? If you know what it is. I just learned today I'm a millennial. <laughs> uh, I, thought I, I thought that I uh, cleared it. I didn't. Found out today I'm a millennial. Um, so, baby boomers. Well, there we go, there we go. 70% of their generation claims to be Christianity. Right? Generation X. Woo-woo, that's my dad. Um, don't worry, dad, I got gotcha. you. Um, generation X. 67% claim to be Christians. 25% claim to be unaffiliated. The millennial generation. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh boy. 49% claim to be Christian. 40% claim to be unaffiliated. Right? There was a void left. And <laughs> sitting in worship. This, thing, this thought came to my head, and uh, your inaction will cause someone else's action, right? Just think about that for a second. Your inaction will cause someone else's inaction. I've been so guilty of this. My inaction as a Christian has caused the devil's reaction to something else. Because I didn't step out, the devil did. Because I didn't reach out to my friends, the devil did. Right? Because of my inaction, it will cause someone else's action. In John 14, 15 through 21, it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it never sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because i live you also will live on that day you will realize that i am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. In verse 15 says, you love me and keep my commands. I mean, not uh, 15, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. Like I said, Jesus never left a void. When he left, Holy Spirit came. So I'm not just going to leave you just to do this by yourself. Right? Can I have the, the youth band come up? I'm going I'm to cut this a little short. See, we have a helper. When we follow Jesus, 
he will start to show himself to us. And when you start getting in this word, start doing that, right? I didn't just become a Christian all of a sudden have the drive to get in the word. I'm gonna be 100% honest with you. Because I had sat where you guys had sat, heard hundreds and hundreds of messages growing up and think I didn't need this, right? Because I'd heard it all. But it took people encouraging me like, no, you need it to grow. And if I didn't hop into this and people invested into me, I wouldn't be here. See, right now I want to talk to the younger generation. They all just sighed. Turn around. But I want to see a generation and a people that changes the world around them. But that has to start with you. By you guys reaching out to the people around you and asking for help and also reaching out to your peers and showing Jesus to them. See, that all starts with you. See, I believe in this generation. To talk with people, they're like, man, this generation is lost. I see it. But I believe in this generation more than you believe that they're lost. See, now I want to talk to the older generations, the leaders. Who are you reaching out to? Right, there's a generation that needs help. And see, I was taught as a kid, dad, like I said, was a cop. When there was a bunch of school shootings, they were trained on the protocol and what to take, what to do when that happened, if they got called out to it. So my dad had to watch videos. And he said, son, as I was driving to school my freshman year, he said, son, I never want to see you die on your knees. If anything, you fight not for your life, but for everyone else around you. So as a kid, that was instilled in me to fight for people around me. To fight for a generation that people have already given up on. To fight for my generation. Who are you mentoring and are you leaving a void? Who's going to replace you? See, why this has been on my heart is I had a conversation with someone at the gym. And they said, uh, when all this stuff was going on, I was on the news. And he said, look what your generation's doing. I agreed. Yeah, that's crazy. But then something on the inside of me said, what did you do to help them? Right? And I'm not condemning anyone. But I've decided I'm going to take a stand so the younger generation can say, you never helped us. I want to equip them with every tool that I have so they can be successful. And from then on, I will still keep helping them, keep mentoring them till the day I die. It's because people invest in me like Cole. Now I get invested into his kids. You see this cycle, Cole invested in me, now I invest in his kids, his kids invest in my kids. In the generation, (laughs) wow, that was, that was all Lord. But, 
But it's a cycle that keeps going. Right? And keep reaching out. See, I was, uh, I left my Bible in the house. I was reading it this morning. Realized the time. Rushed out. Grabbed this one. It's from my grandfather. But then I found this too. It says, Sermons from 1980 to 1981. Right? And his sermons, I'm afraid to touch some of these. Right? But this is what my grandpa invested into me. I now have these for the rest of my life. So what are you leaving for the next generation? Let me ask you this. I want these... We sing that last song that we sing again. I want everyone to stand on your feet. Here's what I want you to do is they sing this song. I want everyone to close their eyes. And I believe today that God's going to give you two people. He's going to put them on your heart. And today, I want you to reach out to them. They're going to deny you. I've been denied so many times, you have no idea. But it's your persistence to them that'll make it through. So, tonight, this, <laughs> used to youth, this morning, as they sing this song, this one, I want you to be open to those two people and those two names that you start investing into.
like I said before in the beginning, I believe generational curses will be taken off of people right now. So if there's anything in your life that needs to be set free, I want you to make your way up here and we'll have people to pray with you. But as they sing this last part, I believe there's going to be something that is loose in someone's life that's going to change everything. If that is you, have you do something bold and come up here. their hands out right now I just want to pray for this generation so I believe there's a church of people 
that want to see change and are hungry for it. And I believe in every single person in this church. And I will fight for you too. God, I just pray for this generation, God. I pray for a generation that's going to come to you. That's going to know you. That's going to fight for you. It's going to be your hands, God. It's going to be your feet, God. It's going to be your voice, God. That right now, God, they're a fearless generation, God. God, so I cry out for this generation and the generations before them, God, that there's no longer a void left. God, they stand in that gap. They stand in that void and they show people who you are. So God, I thank you for every single person in this room that's willing to take a stand against what the devil says and what the devil's doing. God, so I thank you for your warriors in this house. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.